Amen, church. Go ahead and take a seat with me this morning. Uh, thank you, worship team. It's good to be in God's house this morning, isn't it? Um, we appreciate you coming out. If you are here in person, we are glad you are here. If you are tuning in online, we want to say welcome to you, Facebook, YouTube. Um, thank you for joining us. If this is your first time with us, we want you to, to let us know that you're here. And the best way to do that is to not only say hello, but it's to fill out a communication card. And those are found on our Church Center app. So if you want to go to your Church Center app or download the app, uh, fill out a communication card. If you are online, you could click the link in the comment section and fill one of those out. So we know that you're here. We can get you the information you need for things happening in and around our ministry. Uh, I got a couple quick announcements uh, for you this morning. I'm excited because we've got some exciting announcements. Are you excited about that? I mean, not, not that the other announcements I make are not exciting. But these are... Uh, uh, re really, really exciting for us as a church because it involves our kids' programs. Sorry, I thought, I thought you were going to... No, 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 it's okay. And it involves our, our youth programs. Thank you. All those youth out there, you should have been cheering. Um, and, uh, and then a couple other things. So the first thing is this. We could really still use help with our greeting team outside. So if you want to hold one of those signs and love on people as they come by from a distance and say welcome and be the first smiling eyes that they see. Um, we could really use some help. You can email Mandy at newtownroad.org or speak to her this morning um, if you are interested in that or have questions about that, serving once a month, being out there. And it's a joy to do that, I have to say. Um, and then Here's a big one. You ready for this? Our student ministry, grades 6 to 12. Okay, drum roll. Not really, not really. Stop that. I knew you would. Um, our student ministry is going to be launching in the fall on Wednesday night, September 30th. Okay? So originally it was going to be September 16th, but we've pushed things back uh, because school and, and being pushed back and different things like that. We want to get... Uh, allow families to get their feet under them uh, before we launch our Wednesday night programs uh, for student ministry, grades 6 to 12, September 30th. Got it? Okay. Thank you. Uh, and then our kids' ministry, okay, that's preschool through grades 5, will be launching on Sunday morning, October 4th. Got it? Write that date down. Okay, take a, oh yes, take a picture of that. Do what you got to do to remember October 4th, we will have our full kids programs in the other building. You will receive a, or, or on, watch social media because we are going to put a video out in the next couple weeks with detailed information on how that's going to roll and what you are uh, going to be able to do and how you're going to be able to do it. And so not only that, but... To lead up into that, okay, on September 20th, Sunday morning, September 20th, and the 27th, we are going to hold a kids' ministry shortened in here after the second service, okay? So if you are a family with kids, you should probably come to the second service, September 20th through the and the 27th, because that's going to get us ready for our kids' ministry opening. 
And if you're sitting there and you're like, I'm excited about this, but you know what? What do I have to do with kids ministry? Great question. We need you to volunteer and to help. We are still looking for a few volunteers that will help us in our kids' ministry. Volunteers? I have a volunteer for you back here, Pastor Tyler. All right, you ready? Here we go. Mask off. Mask on. Get that on there. Come on. You can do it. You can do it. All right. All right. All right. Ready? Ready? Here we go. Mask off. Mask on. Mask off. Mask on. Switch masks. Ah. Right. Get that Lysol. Get that Lysol. Here we go. Okay. Lysol up. Lysol down. Behind. Forward. You got this. Uh-oh, a kid's attacking you. What do you do? No! Not the Lysol. All right, let's try it again. Try it again. Here we go. Get the Lysol. Okay, Lysol up. Lysol down. Kid attack. Kid attack. Six feet. Good job. All right, much better. Round of applause for our trainee here. All right, Mikey. You got this, kid. You ready for our relaunch October 4th? I'm ready. Let's do this. Let's do it. Oh. That's right. Well, thank you guys very much. If that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what will. Okay. Our kids ministry is launching. If you want to help, let us know. Um, and... Those two weeks in September, the last two weeks in September, Sunday mornings, we are going to have a condensed kids ministry after the second service. So bring your families there. Um, if you are here prepared to give this morning, we want to say thank you. Um, your tithes and offerings, your giving has been inspirational. And thank you for your faithfulness in doing that. You can give online as always. You can give in the back as you exit in the boxes um, as you leave. And so we want to say thank you for that. And the last thing as I... Um, I'm going to pray and then introduce Pastor Matt uh, to you, but uh, I just got a text message from DeRay Ferris, and um, DeRay's father passed away this morning. They uh, uh, happened pretty quick, but he, was, he, he went to hospice a couple of days ago. DeRay uh, and her sister rushed to Connecticut to see him, um, and... Uh, she asked for a lot of prayer from, from our team, from her friends, from our church, uh, as he was not a believer. Um, she rushed, uh, spoke with him last night. She sent a text message to our youth leadership team saying that he prayed to receive Christ last night. How, how amazing is that? And uh, he peacefully went to be with the Lord this morning about 2 a.m., and so we are saddened for, for the loss, um, especially DeRay's uh, mother-in-law, um, or stepmother, stepmother. So please be in prayer for her. Her name is Pat. Uh, be in prayer for their family, but we are praising the Lord for uh, his salvation this morning. 
Uh, Father, we love you and we praise you for who you are. We praise you for the miracle of life change, for salvation, for the salvation of DeRay's father. Um, I pray for peace and comfort to their family. And uh, I pray for clarity as they move forward, Father. Be with us this morning and speak through your word. Uh, Thank you for our church. And uh, we love you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Wow, what a... uh... What an exciting time already. I feel like I could go home right now. This is great. Kids ministry starting again. Students coming back. God is good and faithful to the prayers of his people. We had a great time just worshiping the Lord together. It is so good to see all your smiling faces. Um, This is the first Sunday back uh, in September. So what that means is, for those of you who have never been through an upstate winter, you need to have all your wood chopped and stored away by next week. The blizzards will arrive before October. All hope is lost. So uh, I'm just so excited to see you guys. It has been the most interesting summer that I can ever remember. And I've had, I've had 42 of them now to think back on. So that's a, I, I'm, I'm hard, I'm, it's hard for me to believe that we've been through what we've been through and that we're still here. Uh, but God has been so good to us as a church family. And it's nice to be back and in, in settling into a rhythm. I know parents are... And children and teachers are getting nervous and, and just trying to figure out, how are we going to make this work? I, you know, we have, we've got four kids at our house and the, the, the different start times and the different transportation issues. And just, it is, it is so confusing right now um, to be, uh, just to be alive in this season and trying to get our families back to some sense of normal. But the Lord is good and he's going to be with us and he knows what's happening. And so we're, we're holding on to that hope. I have some fun news I wanted to share with you um, before I start this morning. Um, and that's the, the 20 fund. Some of you have been around uh, all year, and some of you are relatively new, but at the beginning of the year, we challenged our church. You remember our 20s. We challenged our church to spend 20 minutes a day extra, if you weren't spending any time at all, to invest 20 minutes in prayer and Bible study. If you were, to invest 20 minutes more, and we're reading along with the uh, daily New Testament reading plan on the YouVersion app. You can sign up for that. We challenged our people to give $20 extra above and beyond what they have been giving. And we set that money aside and we said the first $20,000 that came in, we were going to give to the community. And then anything that came out, uh, came in beyond that, we were going to use uh, for infrastructure needs like, like uh, building maintenance and stuff like that. Things like roofs and parking lots and stuff that's not all that glamorous but needs to happen or we have no building, right? So uh, we said we're going to do that first. But the first thing we're going to do is give it to uh, the community. And then we also challenge you to begin praying and engaging 20 people that you might come and invite and share the hope of the good news with or um, encourage them to be part of our church. So just so you're aware, um, this week the elder team approved $1,000 from that 20 fund to go to Captain Youth and Family Services to help them. They have a food program where they, uh, they serve 600 meals a month to hungry children in our community. So we invested $1,000 to help hungry children in our community this, um, this week. And also this week, the elder team approved $1,000 um, to purchase school supplies and backpacks for Mechanicville. Now, normally each summer, we've been collecting school supplies and assembling the backpacks and donating them, but we weren't able to have our VBS program this summer and work on that. So our elder team approved the $1,000 purchase from the 20 fund to purchase school supplies and backpacks so we can donate to the Mechanicville School District. So we're just excited about that. Thank you for your faithful giving. What that means for us then is that we still have $13,000 bookmarked for community service projects, and we're going to continue to work through the list of 
uh, organizations that you guys suggested, and over the next few months, we're going to um, approve a bunch more of those expenditures and to be a great blessing to our community. But what a cool opportunity for us that at the end of 2020, we're going to be able to say that we gave $20,000 and invested it into the community to, to strengthen relationships and partnerships, to serve the least of these, to preach the gospel. So thank you for all your faithful giving. I wanted to share that with you this morning. All right. Gosh, we've had a lot going on already. Mark chapter 10. Go to Mark chapter 10, if you will, this morning. Mark chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 46. We're going to read all the way to verse 52. I know, it's not that far. All right. Mark 10, 46 through 52 is our passage for the morning. Here's what the word of the Lord says to us today. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and he came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. What an amazing story we get to look at today. As we've sang this morning about who God is in our lives and that he's been merciful and good, and I just read this morning that he's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. That the God we serve is gracious and forgiving and powerful and just, and he's holy and he's good in every way. And today we get to see an experience of a blind beggar who found Jesus to be the forgiver and the healer and the Savior that he hoped he would be. The first part of the passage I, I titled Swinging for the Fences in the first two verses this morning. In verse 46, Jesus, we're told, is moving towards Jerusalem, and he passes through the city of Jericho. Now, it's not the same city of Jericho as in the Old Testament. That one was a couple miles away from the New Testament city by the same name, but it was close. And they were passing through a similar region, and they come through the city of Jericho, and he finds himself in a somewhat familiar situation. Jesus is being followed not only by his disciples, but also by a great crowd of followers. It's interesting that Mark makes much of this crowd of people who are surrounding Jesus, but not his disciples. And it, it pains me to think, and scares me to think that maybe in the church today there are a great number of people who are part of the crowd but not his disciples these folks are interested in the show they want the free meal they they want to see the miracle man but they're not yet following him as savior and lord and in mark's gospel almost every time the crowd is mentioned they're actually a hindrance to people coming to jesus they're a barrier to people coming to Jesus. They don't create, as Pastor Tyler talked about, they don't create a bridge to people coming to Jesus. They actually stand as a barrier and an obstacle, pushing people away from Jesus like they're going to do here. But at any rate, we're, we're introduced to a man who is sitting by the side of the road. 
And his name is Bartimaeus, or son of Timaeus. That word bar literally means son of. Which is why when Simon was called Simon Bar-Jonah, he's the son of Jonah. He is the son of Timaeus. And he's blind, and he's begging at the side of the road. Also, something quite interesting. In all the miraculous stories in Mark's gospel, the recipient of the miracle isn't named except for blind Bartimaeus. Something significant, and I think that should tell us something. If you're, if you're reading through the gospel, Mark, you don't, you don't notice that, that's probably not going to stand out that much. But now that you know that, and you think about all the people who've been healed and all the miracles that we've seen, the thousands who received the bread and the, the fish, maybe God is trying to tell us something about this one specific instance and this one specific person this morning. So a couple things. This guy's in quite a tough spot. In Jewish thought, he would have been considered the lowest of the low, unable to find suitable employment. His only means of provision is to sit along the side of this well-traveled road and ask passers-by if they'd be so kind as to make a gift to him. But today, something wildly different is going to happen for blind Bartimaeus. The crowd is gathered again. The people are pressing in as they walk. And then he hears the reason for all the commotion. Jesus was with them. Jesus had come to his town. Jesus was passing through. Jesus was going to walk on this road that he sits next to every day. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for blind Bartimaeus. A couple years ago, Pastor Tyler and I had what I would call a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity as well. We, uh, thanks to the gracious generosity of one of our church members, he and I were attending a pastor's conference in Cleveland, Ohio. And so we were there at the Basics Conference where Alistair Begg is the pastor, and we love Alistair Begg around here. I know I do. And uh, we were just, we were being filled up and fed and encouraged. But we realized something as we were planning our trip, that our visit to Cleveland coincided with an NBA playoff series, um, and LeBron James was going to be playing at home against the Toronto Raptors in Cleveland in what was his final season. And everybody knew he was out of Cleveland after that year. Everyone knew he was going to the West Coast to be in L.A. This was as close as Pastor Tyler and I would ever be to the great one, right? To, to King James. We, we thought to ourselves, would this be good stewardship before the Lord? To be in this place at this moment and not take advantage and see a once-in-a-lifetime, once-in-a-generational player. So we did what any God-fearing pastor would have done. We skipped the Monday night session, and we rode the train to Cleveland, and we sat in the highest seats you could possibly get to, and we watched the Cavs close out the Raptors and saw one of, one of LeBron James' final home games as a Cleveland Cavalier. It was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And I hope you don't think less of me. And if you do, it was Pastor Tyler's idea. <laughs> when blind Bartimaeus learned, when he learned that Jesus was coming, he thought, this is my shot. This is my chance. No one else has been able to help me. I am hopeless. The longer I sit here, the longer I'll stay here. Nothing is going to change for me. 
I don't have the ability to fix this. I am hopeless here. But this guy walking through, he has the power to change this. This is my only hope. This is my only shot. So when he learned that Jesus was passing by, he began to cry out. Not, not just like wave a little hand. Excuse me over here. Not, not put up a little flag. He cried out to Jesus. There's a great crowd and his 12 disciples. He's walking on the road. He's crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, this son of David language is very unique. It's the only place in Mark that we use this, this title for Jesus. Very interesting. This is a purely messianic title, tying Jesus' ministry as the coming king of Israel to the greatest king in Israel's history, King David, the one to whom God made a promise, remember, that one of his descendants would, would rule and reign on the throne forever. So Jesus was the one and we know this looking back through the scriptures. Jesus is the son of the promise. Jesus is the son of David. Jesus is the one through whom all those covenant blessings to David would come. We know that now, thousands of years later, who told Bartimaeus? Who, who told all that to blind Bartimaeus? Well, the answer is God did. Remember when Peter said to him, you're the Christ, the Son of God. And he said, blessed are you, Peter. This didn't come through men. This came from God. Who told the blind beggar Jesus' true identity? God did. He revealed it to him. And when he walked by, he knew that this guy right here in front of him was the one. And in this interaction, we are forced to deal with the humbling reality that the blind man who had never physically seen Jesus, was able to see something that the disciples had repeatedly missed. And this section of Mark, this is what is really important to Mark through this section. He is highlighting to us how the disciples, the ones who are close to Jesus, struggle to see his true identity, and those who are far from him actually can grasp it. The Father had given that to blind Bartimaeus. All right, so he takes his shot, and he gets an audience, but it takes a little shame and, and rebuking before he gets there. The crowd tells him to shut up. Would you stop it? You're making a scene. Any of you have children? You ever said that? You're embarrassing yourself and me. Please knock it off, right? And he says to blind Bartimaeus, shh. The crowd stops him, see? The crowd is standing between him and Jesus. The crowd is a barrier to Jesus. My friends, the crowd is still a barrier to Jesus. The crowd of people in your life, the ones you're afraid to be embarrassed in front of, the ones you're afraid will mock you and persecute you, they still stand as a barrier between people and Jesus. They say, would you just be quiet? Who are you? Do you really think that Jesus wants to stop and deal with you? Do you think that you're that important? That you're going to stop this whole procession? Look at all these people gather around. Why would he stop and talk to you? And the more they rebuked him, the more he cried out. He wasn't willing to bend to their demands. And he wasn't willing to be silent. Because he was convinced that Jesus could save him, could heal him. He needed a miracle. 
Jesus was the only miracle worker walking through town that day. And nothing was going to stop him. So the blind man, never seen the Lord, only heard about the healings and miracles that he's been performing, has become so firmly convinced that Jesus is capable of providing this healing that he doesn't care what kind of ridicule he faces. This man is willing to lose whatever dignity and reputation he had in order to meet Jesus. There's a word in there for us. There's a word in there for us who are coming to faith. Maybe you're here and just examining the faith and you're thinking about all the people, all the people who would laugh, all the people who would scratch their head, all the people who would wonder what happened to you and the scorn and the shame of your family and friends keeps you from Jesus. There's a blessing here to those who throw all that aside and run headlong to the face of, of Christ. Maybe you're here and you're following Jesus and you're still a little bit intimidated by taking the stand that you need to in front of family members and friends and coworkers and classmates. And you're afraid that they might think of you differently. You're afraid you might lose some friendships. There is a blessing here and an encouragement and a conviction here to this blind man who was willing to face whatever ridicule the crowd could muster up in order for him to be close to Jesus. Can you... Can you imagine what would happen if that were you and everyone was telling you to be quiet and you cried out all the more and then something really crazy happened Jesus stopped he stops the whole thing last week remember he was out in front he just stops the whole crowd like kind of run into him a little bit and they bounce and they stop and what are we stopping for and he looks at his disciples and he says call him so then the crowd, who just told him to shut up, that Jesus didn't want to talk to him, now was forced to deal with the, the, the uncomfortable reality that they were wrong, and Jesus actually did want to talk to him. So they walk over to him and say, okay, we were wrong. Go ahead, get up. Cheer up. He's going to come see you. Let's go. They, they go to the blind man and say, All right, well, he's calling you. It's time. The Bible says he throws off his cloak. Nothing is going to hinder him. He just casts it down and springs up and runs to Jesus. He gets his audience. It came about a little bit embarrassingly. It was a tough, uh, a, a tough interaction with the crowd. It was full of ridicule and scorn. It, but he gets what he asks for. He wants an audience with Jesus. And Jesus sees the blind man now here in front of him, and the Lord speaks to him. And he asks him the most telling question of the passage. He says, what do you want me to do for you? Do you remember this question from last week? The same question Jesus asked his disciples, the ones who were close to him, the ones who had heard his predictions, the ones who had seen the miracles. And the disciples, because of the selfishness of their own hearts and their pride and their, un, uh, their inability to see Jesus for who he was, asked for glory. We want you to make us great. And they did not get what they asked for. And here, blind Bartimaeus, standing before the Lord, he says to him the same question, what is it you want me to do for you? And he says, I, let me recover my sight. I want to see. I just want to see. Will you restore my sight to me? And Jesus, without any great 
production, without any great fanfare. He just says to blind Bartimaeus, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately, that's another favorite word of Mark in his gospel, immediately the man could see his sight was restored. Immediately. And he began to follow Jesus on the way. The key to his healing, Jesus said, was his faith. It was his confidence. It was his trust that the man he'd never seen but only heard about had the power and the benevolence of heart to heal him. It was his faith. He received his request because of his faith. Additionally, it would help you to know that this word that is translated made you well can also be translated saved you. Mark was intending a double meaning for us for sure. Jesus not only brings sight to our eyes and physical wellness, but he also brings healing and freedom to our souls. And he does it in the same way. Not because we were first in line and deserving of it, not because, or, or because we were so moral or upstanding or righteous that we just had to be included on his team, but because we, like blind Bartimaeus, were on the fringes, passed over at the back of the line, but we heard about Jesus and we believed and trusted in him because the Father gave it to us. Okay, so what? What does all that mean for us today? Where do we find some sense of application or where, where are the, the truths of God that we are to ponder and reflect upon this week? The first, I think, is, is, is a more structural issue with the gospel of Mark itself, but but it's so powerful. The healing of the blind beggar here is actually the closing bookend to a particular section of Mark's gospel. And interestingly enough, that section opens in chapter 8 with the healing of a blind man in Bethsaida. So you have, in, in chapter 8, there's a blind man who is healed, and in chapter 10, there's a blind man who is healed. But the blind man healed in Bethsaida, maybe you'll remember, was a unique healing it was a two-stage healing. Do you remember that one? Jesus pronounces healing, and the guy says, I can see, but I can only see people like trees walking. I can't see it clearly yet. I have a glimpse of what's out there, but I can't quite see it clearly. And then, for three chapters, Mark has shown us how the disciples who have a glimpse still can't quite see him clearly. He feeds thousands, and they're not sure. They're in the boat and they're scared. They don't quite know what to make of him yet. They keep asking in their own hearts the question, what manner of man is this? They see him dimly and they see people like trees walking, but they can't quite see it clearly until God gives it to them. That was the opening bookend, or the opening marker of this chapter, of this passage. And then a few chapters later, here's the closing of this particular portion. And here we have a blind man who is physically blind, who is able to see instantaneously. A sharp distinction. The whole section speaks to us about the fact that it is Jesus who has the power to grant physical sight, but also, and more importantly, Jesus has the power to grant spiritual sight. And it also reminds us that those who appear in the eyes of this world closest 
to religion are those who have the hardest time seeing. And yet those who are hopeless and helpless and desperately lost can see it all the more clearly. Secondly, this passage this week is linked to last week's passage by that repeated question, what do you want me to do for you? James and John got the privilege of answering last week, and they did so rather poorly, right? This week it was Bartimaeus' turn. And the attitudes that were displayed by these folks are, are as distinctly different as the responses. Jesus' disciples, who should have seen him clearly, wanted glory and power and influence. And the blind beggar who was unable to see him at all was able to discern his identity with the precision that the disciples lacked. And he received what he asked. Truly, as Mark has told us, the last are first and the first are last. You, can you see how it all works together? And you want to tell me the Bible's not interesting. Please. This is amazing stuff. It all works together. The last are first. The first are last. Let me show you how. The disciples who were chosen to be part of Jesus' band don't get it. This guy on the fringes who is hopeless and helpless, he understands it. The last are first. The first get in the back of the line. And this whole interaction, thirdly, thirdly, is a beautiful illustration of the gospel. When we ponder our own lives, may we see ourselves not as the chosen few who were like in power and influence, but may we see ourselves as we truly are, as blind Bartimaeus, the beggar at the side of the road. We were blinded to the truth of God. We were without hope and helpless in this world. We were seeking and straining for some fulfillment, some relief of our condition, and we were trying to find it in the things of this world only to find that every day that we return to the same familiar and hopeless place that we had started until we heard about Jesus, until somebody somewhere had the had the the presence of mind had the conviction and the, follow, the humility in following the Spirit to say to us, could I talk to you about the Scriptures? I see your life, and I feel like you're missing something. Could I share with you what I have found in Christ? You're exhausted. You're empty. You seem to be lacking hope. Can I tell you where I found hope? And through the preaching of the gospel, our eyes were opened and our minds were softened and our hearts were quickened and we understood that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of David, the promised one who forgives sin, who cleanses consciences, who raises the dead and we died to ourselves and yielded to him through faith in Jesus Christ. He asked us the same question, what do you want me to do for you? And in some way or another, all of us who are here through faith in Jesus uttered something similar to God save me. I'm a mess. And through faith, he heard and answered our cries. Praise be to God for the mercy that he pours out on the hopeless and the helpless and the lost, and the people on the fringes and at the back of the line which is the real hope of the gospel. That it is not the wise and the brilliant and the powerful and influential of this world, but the weak and the hopeless, the frail, 
those who are passed by and passed over who find the greatest joy in Jesus. And that's who we are in this story. Blind Bartimaeus, who by grace and through faith has had our eyes opened and our lives restored, and the Bible says immediately he followed Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word and all that it teaches us, and thank you for this beautiful illustration of our, save, our salvation in Christ. Lord, what a gift to know that when we could not give anything to you, you loved us anyway. When we were so undeserving, you poured out grace and favor on us. I pray for those who are in the room and are wondering about the big questions of life, or maybe they're watching online this morning. They're not yet followers of Jesus, but they're pondering the, the message of the gospel. They've heard some of the stories. They're, they're thinking through what all this means. I pray that, Spirit of God, you would move in hearts today, that you would soften hearts and open eyes, help them to see the truth of your identity, Lord Jesus. Help them to recognize their own hopelessness. Help them to recognize their own limitations. Help them to see themselves as blind Bartimaeus at the side of the road, on the fringes, and in need. And Lord, I pray that you'd stir their hearts to cry out to you through faith today. Ask them the question again, Lord God, what do you want me to do for you? And Lord, I pray that you would instill faith in the hearts of the hearers, that they would cry out with humility, Lord, I want to be saved. Lord, thank you for the power of the gospel, for the power of the word of God. Lord, I pray that we would learn a lesson from Bartimaeus, those of us who are followers of you, that we would not be bound by the scorn and the persecution and the shameful looks of the crowd, but that we would cast aside everything to be close to you and to follow you. Forgive us, God, for the ways that we have let the opinions of men rob us from the fruit of obedience. And Lord, I pray that you would motivate us to look for the Bartimaeuses in our lives, to see with your eyes those on the fringes who need the hope of the gospel and strengthen us, God, to be your ambassadors and your messengers. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. For those of you joining online, this is where we have to say goodbye. Thank you for being with us today. Continue to watch our social media feeds for late, the latest updates, and we'll see you next week at 9 and 11. The rest of you, let's go ahead and stand up, and we will continue to sing this morning.